Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So today, we're going to be going back across to America after spending some time with Ira Aldridge, and we're going to be highlighting a play that was written by a black abolitionist and former slave named William Wells Brown. Quick question. Yes. Is it really necessary to call a black person an abolitionist? Because I get the feeling that well, they're an, all in favor of not being slaves. An abolitionist would be the people that are actively, like... Oh, actively protesting. Yeah, gotcha. protesting, going on the lecture tours, which we'll talk about with him a little bit. I So, I wanted to do a longer thing on him, but I feel like... William Wells Brown, like a full detailed biography on him, would be better suited to a show like Black History Buff than our show, just because his connection to theater is kind of a blip. Ah. It's an important blip, but it's still just a small part out of the vast, amazing life of William Wells Brown. Gotcha. Well, Amazing might not be the right word, because it was a pretty bad start. Mm. So he was born into slavery in 1814. Ugh. He was the son of a black slave, Elizabeth, and a relative of their master, Dr. John Young, who was named George Higgins. Higgins. Oh, gosh. Uh, allegedly, though, his father actually did claim him and told Young never to sell him or his mother. And Young was like, oh, yeah, sure. Psych. Uh. And by the time that he was 20, William Wells Brown and his mother had been sold several times. Neat. So uh, from his own autobiography, which is called Narrative of William Wells Brown, a Fugitive Slave, Wells talked about the indignities of slavery, including the fact that when his master had had a nephew brought to him who was also named William, his mother was told to change her son's name. And disobedience was harshly punished, and he says, This at the time I thought to be one of the most cruel acts that could be committed upon my rights, and I received several very severe whippings for telling people that my name was William. Oh. This is a kid. <sighs> yeah. Could, yeah. Could you imagine if you were allowed to whip every other woman named Carl? You mean Kay? <laughs> But also, I've thought about whipping people with the same name. We're gonna, we're gonna edit that part out. <laughs> or I'm just gonna bleep my name out and people can go, what is the name? What is the name that Kay has? It's Kay. It's Kay. That is my name. So, uh, you're gonna want your biting stick. <laughs> I forgot it. Uh, here's a pillow. You can, uh, you can scream into this pillow, dear. I probably will. Hit yeah. Okay, so, William and his mother had had an unsuccessful escape attempt in 1833, and I believe that this is the escape attempt that led him to being punished by Virginia Play. Whew. Virginia Play is when they would tie up the slave in the smokehouse, flog them, and then leave them in there while smoking them, by lighting piles of tobacco stems until the slave nearly choked to death, and then they'd just send them back out to work again. <sighs> Let it all out, babe. <sighs> I'm sure there will be more later. Okay. Well, it, it, it gets better once he gets to freedom. Okay, well, so, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, so... I would hope that freedom would be better than slavery. Yeah, yeah. So, throughout his time as a slave, he had been in many positions, from house servant to field hand to assisting a slave trader, which was a thing that had to be done with these... Gosh, I almost... This is so hard to do without swearing. <laughs> yes. Yes, it <laughs> this is, Kay. This is so hard to do without swearing. But he he, ha he had these positions that, like, you would have slaves that would be forced to whip other slaves and things like that. So this was a cruel, 
cruel period of history, and it's why I get really angry at people who either say it wasn't so bad, yeah. or yep. I, I get really angry about that. And then it's like, and that's not where the indignities stop. It doesn't stop with the Emancipation Proclamation. It doesn't mm -mm. stop with the end of the Civil War. It doesn't stop with Martin Luther King. Nope. It keeps happening. Slow march towards progress. Very slow, it seems. So um, his last job as a slave was working on a steamboat. And this was how he would make his successful escape to freedom. Sweet. As the ship docked in Ohio, which was a free state. Ha! Ha ha ha! Did he just get off the boat yes, and walk away? Yes, he just away? got off the boat. <laughs> yes! So he escaped in 1834, and he was befriended by a Quaker named Wells Brown, which is who William took the last name of while reclaiming his first name of William. And he was taught to read and write and was given, like, clothes and money and food and everything he needed to start out a new life. Go Quakers! Yeah, the Quakers were great. There's, They were uh, very abolitionist, and they were, whenever you hear about white people in the North saving slaves, it's usually Quakers. Weren't they also notoriously nonviolent? Like, yes. they didn't use guns and yes. stuff like that? Um, I keep wondering if uh, not the Warren that led to you having the curse, but the one that my mom found... Well, it wasn't a Warren, but he was one of your relatives who was a abolitionist yeah, that I, was freeing slaves. Yeah, I knew and that was I had a, getting in trouble yeah, for it. And that's true as an abolitionist. I don't know if they were a Quaker, but mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me. Then, oh God. Then again, me with a gun trying to help free black people would result in a lot of dead other people. Probably. Yeah, yeah. You you would be pretty violently freeing people yeah, it would have been me it would uh, uh the superhero fantasy in my brain is basically that german guy in django unchained yeah yeah I would, yeah so uh kids don't watch django unchained <laughs> until you're over 18 <laughs> and even at that age i would <laughs> slavery is bad free slaves at any cost yep so, uh, William became hungry for knowledge, and he was, like, basically making up for lost time uh, yeah, with his reading sense. and writing. And by, uh, by the time that he got really famous, he was one of the most prolific black authors of the era. Oh, wow. Uh, from 1836 to 1845, he worked on a steamboat in New York, and he was using that to shuttle slaves to Canada. Nice. To free them. Because Canada was absolutely free. Like, there was no way that they would get sold back into slavery if they were in Canada. And in fact, in 1842, he safely took 69 slaves to freedom in Canada nice. by that steamboat. Nice. Double nice. And um, I want to say it was like 30,000 slaves had been freed by being sent up to Canada. So... By 1849, he was a lecturer in abolitionist circles in America, and then he traveled to Europe and began lecturing in France and England for five years. During this time, he wrote his autobiography, as well as the novel about Sally Hemings called Clotel, or The President's Daughter. The reason why he was in the UK at this time is because of the Fugitive Slave Law in 1850. Okay, was that the one that if a slave escapes, you're allowed to go across state lines to get them and bring them back? Yep. I have, yeah, I have words. I have words for that, yep. which I'm not going to say. Use your imagination. Yes. So he basically is a case of if he returned, he could just be recaptured even if he was in New York or in Ohio. Or... Do you know the specifics of that? Did it have to be, like... If would would the authorities in New York be required to hand him over, or would it be someone? I believe from... so. Because that's garbage. Yeah, like, it... I believe it was. Because again, we're not people at this point to a lot of white people. We are animals. We are it's, property. We are chattel. It's it's the inherent white supremacy that was 
Yeah. In the seeds of the founding of the country. Yes. And carried over for generations and generations. Yes, and still is lying underneath. So, yeah. When people say racism isn't around anymore, so, oh, it is. A side vent tangent, just yes. because I need it. Yes. I get so incredibly frustrated and furious when people try to say that white supremacy is justified, that white people are superior just inherently, mm -hmm. because you have this man who was never educated, ever, reached mm -hmm. adulthood. He was crafty enough to escape on his own, mm -hmm. and then he proceeded to learn everything he could and became a writer and a lecturer, and he did that later in life, because, like, yeah. studies have shown that it's easier to learn when you're younger. It's yeah. harder to learn when you're older, and he did all of this when he was older. And he's not an isolated incident. That happened no. all the time. So you can't tell me that one group of people is superior innately. Like, yeah. just, when, when people are given equal opportunities, mm -hmm. they shine. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of that bogus white supremacy just comes from a deep-seated feeling of inadequacy mm -hmm. and to make yourself feel better you have to crap on everyone else yep. and prevent them from doing anything other than what you want them to do because if they do well at something that's better than what a white person can do then it throws their whole perspective of reality into question yep how can this black person read better than this white person see hitler with jesse owens <sighs> it's just I get... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, my, you're fine. My, you're thera fine. my therapy rant is over. You're fine. So, his freedom was purchased in 1854 by the British family, the Richardsons, who also purchased Frederick Douglass's freedom, so that they could both go back over to the U.S. So, but does that mean that they... Quote, they unquote, are free. They, well, I mean, does that mean they send a check to their original master saying, hey, basically. we bought this slave? I believe so. Something like that. But okay. basically it was something to say, here's the papers. He's free. He I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that America at the time even acknowledged that because it was the UK. They didn't always. Yeah, I was going to say, because I know that the practice of stealing free black men and putting them yeah. into slavery was a thing. Yeah, no, it didn't always work. But there was at least legal recourse yeah, to be there like, was, you can't do this. Yeah, and there were people out there who cared, and there were people out there who went, this is wrong, stop treating other human beings this way, you know, we're all people. Yeah. <laughs> we are all humans. So, uh, when he returned to the U.S., he started supporting black immigration to Haiti, because Haiti had become an independent black republic in 1804. Oh, Cool. So, yeah, and that one, we'll talk more about that when we cover Once on This Island, because uh, Once on This Island is set in Haiti after, well, a while after that period of time, but they do talk about it a little bit in the play. Uh, so he continued to tour with his anti-slavery lectures, and during and uh, after the Civil War, he continued to write. During the Civil War, he actually was helping recruit black soldiers for the Union. Cool. Then, after the war, he joined the temperance movement, and he opened a homeopathic medical practice in Boston. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is before medicine was a thing. Oh, so. fair. That's fair. Um, he's, he's not trying to sell doTERRA to cure cancer. No. <laughs> I don't know if they even really knew what cancer was. Like, they had the term for it, but they didn't quite know the mechanics of it. It was like, you get these masses and then you die. Yeah. And we don't know why in between. Um, so, before all of his later life stuff, he did get married. His first wife was in 1834, shortly after he escaped. And he had two daughters who survived to adulthood, Clarissa and Josephine. And Josephine actually became his biographer and also was a lecturer and writer herself. Nice. And then uh, she chronicled her father's life and chronicled uh, what slaves went through, stuff like that. And then uh, Brown was... Uh, he was estranged from his wife in 1851 and she stayed in the u.s and then later died and so wells married again in 1860 uh but then he died in uh his home in was it cambridge why didn't i write that down anyway he died in 1884 
Um, and now, <laughs> onto the two plays that he wrote in his lifetime, which is the whole reason why we get to cover him and say it's on topic for our show. <laughs> <laughs> So he was technically the first published black playwright in America. Oh, even though William Henry Brown had written the drama of King Shot Away in 1823, Brown is the first play playwright that's published. Um, His first one was Experience or How to Give a Northern Man a Backbone. (laughs) It was a play about a white man who is mistakenly sold into slavery. It was written in 1856, never published, and is gone forever. Uh. But his second play, Escape or Leap for Freedom, was published in 1858, um, but it was never actually produced as a play until 1871. So just right before he died, pretty much. Eight, or not 18, sorry, 1971. Oh, okay. I can read words. Um, yeah, so 1971. So that's a pretty long gap, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about why in a bit. Um Instead, though, William would read the plays to his audiences at his lectures. Uh, Escape is going to be a play in five acts, and at the time, reviews of the play that he read at his lectures were glowing. Uh, The Daily Advisor said, Mr. Brown's drama is, in itself, a masterly refutation of all apologies for slavery and abounds in wit, satire, philosophy, arguments, and facts— all ingeniously interwoven into one of the most interesting dramatic compositions of modern times. The Seneca Falls Courier said, Mr. Brown exhibits a dramatic talent possessed by few who have, under the best instructions, made themselves famous on stage. Pretty good reviews. Mm-hmm. Then post-Civil War happened and no one touched these, this play. And later reviews of people studying it kind of shed a little bit of a light onto it, as well as when we get into you actually hearing the play, you'll see kind of why. So James Weldon in Black Manhattan said of this, as well as Brown's career, it's in no degree a direct factor in the Negro's theatrical development. <laughs> little harsh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, playwright Lofton Mitchell wrote in Black Drama that... Brown's scenes, unfortunately, are close to blackface minstrelsy, much more than the author's personal slave experiences should have permitted. So, I'm getting a little, I'm a little confused. So, did he write it to be that way, or was it picked up later and changed? To so be... he wrote it to be that way. Specifically, one of the characters whose name is Cato. Cato is pretty much a minstrel show character. But Black Theater USA kind of argues that he was there to make the audience go, oh yeah, we're superior, look at this idiot. He's mm. he's so dumb. And then he makes an escape for freedom that no white playwright would have ever done. And not just an escape, but a successful escape. No white playwright would have written that at that time. And so that would have just made everyone in the audience just go, that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> you mean I'm not... <laughs> I'm not as superior as I thought. Ah! So, you know, that that was sort of where it was like, oh, okay. It, on, it's still problematic, but for the time, it was major. And again, you've got to think about, this is why we covered minstrel shows. That was the accepted stuff of the time for all of the theater-going audiences. I so... I so hate the argument that was what was accepted, that was the times, that was stamped. Yeah. Because it's like, it, it's just a, a a polite way of saying that it was terrible. Yes. Yes. Because it wasn't, it wasn't good, but that was what audiences would be more willing to see. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Uncle Tom's Cabin, where the book and the six-act play were more sympathetic to Tom and more like, oh... He's standing up like it. it's one of those it's one of those books that when you read it and you're going, oh, well, he actually is standing up to his masters and he is helping people escape. Why is that the name? And then you find out about the minstrel shows. It's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> screw you, racist. Yeah, I think you can say screw you in a kid's podcast. Um... Well, not kids. Young Adults. Young Adults podcast. I think you can say screw you. Well, you said it twice, so you're doubling down. I'm doubling down. Screw you is appropriate. (laughs) 
when dealing with terms of racism and uh, slavery. It is appropriate. All right. So do you have any questions before I take a big drink of water and try to read this whole play? <laughs> um, no, I, I am, I guess, prepared. You are prepared. Yeah, it's not going to be as difficult as yesterday or as the other days. Because well, it won't be French. It won't be French. And I mean, it'll hurt, but it won't hurt as much. It's got a happier ending. None of the dying in your loved one's arms garbage. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right. So shall we? Yep. Let's go. Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, and our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Today, I want to promote an audio drama by an amazing black podcaster, David S. Deere. His show, A Ninth World Journal, holds a special place in our hearts. Well, let's just have him tell you about it himself. This is A Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World. While trying to survive in these strange lands, I must find a way to reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit ninthworldjournal.com. And now, the lights are going down and the music starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Warren, so what'd you think? Um, I actually liked it uh, quite a bit. Um, for weird reasons, mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. It, it was really, it was really well written, mm -hmm. really well done, and I think a large part of that is because it was written by a former slave. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting to see, you know, like you, you know, Cato was the the minstrel trope he was just the yes a master whatever master wants and it's yes, literally master. written like that yeah. which made it so hard to read it because he wrote in the dialects yeah and so you you have him uh sort of being that and there's multiple times where people are like kato kato please to do this please help and he's like no i ain't gonna go against massa i ain't going like he's mm -hmm. very just going along with whatever they want even though there are times when he does something of his own uh I don't want to say, yeah, something of his own accord and pays the price for it. Mm -hmm. But then what was really interesting is you had the other slaves who were more eloquent in their in the way that they're presented as well as mm -hmm. just, I don't know, it, he did a, did a really good job and I really applaud the doing an incredibly good job of denouncing the evils of mm -hmm. slavery and just racism in general. Yeah. And, uh, so, frickin' Dr. Gaines. Yeah. Screw that guy. Yeah. Colonel Dr. Gaines, my fist in his face. So, <laughs> the show started with, uh, Dr. Gaines, uh, talking about how he, sh and I, I hated this line because it reminds me of people I've actually heard talk about their business stuff where they're like, boy, I sure wish we'd get a plague coming through here yeah. so that I could have more patience and make more money. And mm -hmm. I just love that this doctor is like, man, we need a good old just plague to come through here and, and, and provide us with some more patience so we can make money. And mm -hmm. and it is the, the thing of like the slave owners in this show are constantly talking about how just they, they you listen to them talking. It makes it sound like 
their lives are just so hard. These slaves just make their lives unbearable. Mm -hmm. Like, just... I want... I want to do a lot of smacking of people yeah. in this show. Do a little paint brushing. Like yes. that. Yes. Ow. Uh, <laughs> that's why I do it slower. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Gaines, and then and Dr. Gaines's wife, uh, Mrs. Gaines, is talking about how the Lord will provide. Maybe the Lord will send, you know, a a cholera, a cholera outbreak your way so that you'll have patience and as they're sitting there talking, uh, a guest is announced by one of the slaves. Oh, Mr. So-and-so, I can't remember his name, um, is here to see you. And he brings him in and he talks about, oh, I need a new doctor for my family as well as all my slaves. Because the doctor I have currently keeps killing all my slaves. And, yeah. And, uh, the, and of course... There was lots of use of uh, the N-word in this. Yeah, that was not fun. I've never heard Kay say the N-word so much. Like, yeah. And, yeah, and it's the hard R one yeah, written in this. And we we were talking about that, that the first couple times I was like, oh, like when she would say it. And then I kind of got a little desensitized to it mm-hmm. because it's the course of the story and they use it a lot. Um but yeah, it, I I personally have like a, I have a personal history that I won't get into on why that word just. Well, I feel like not liking that word. Brain, I feel but... like not liking that word requires no real explanation other than it's a bad word and it's, it's only it's... been used ever to demean people. Yeah, it's... it it just, uh, it's one of those things like, if other black people use it, I'm fine with that. I personally. I hate I hate having to read it when I read out a play. I do not like hearing it. If someone says it to me, then my my earrings are coming off. Well, my earrings are always off. <laughs> You're always so ready to go. I'm always ready to go. But I just it, it uh, I don't want to get too much into it. But yeah, it that was the worst part of reading this play. Yeah. Um. And so anyway, this uh, other slave owner comes in to talk to the doctor, and, and he's like, ah, I need a new doctor, and they negotiate a price, and and then uh, the the guy leaves, and he basically turns to his wife, he's like, oh, look, the Lord provided for us, you know, well, it's extra what, $500 a year, $500 a month, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the price was that they negotiated, and I'm I'm trying to remember from there... Because I, I think it then cuts to, uh, uh, it's not, is it Miranda? Melinda. Melinda and Glenn, right? Yes. So, I didn't catch, well, I guess, for some reason I thought Melinda was white and mm-hmm. Glenn was black, so I was like, oh, they're they're working in a uh, interracial yeah, relationship here. no. But Melinda is, she's, she's, um... She's mixed. mixed. She's a... She's a lighter-skinned yes. slave. And so we have uh, Melinda and Glenn who meet in the city under secrecy because they're both slaves and they uh, married each other. They got married in secret, and but they both belong to separate slave owners. Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about the woes of their life and how they want to be together. And but they're... Dr. Gaines wants Melinda. Yeah, it's, it's established in the course of the show that Dr. Gaines likes to diddle uh, his slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, he wants Melinda... Uh, and Glenn and her are talk, talk about leaving, but, oh, that would be too hard, it'd be too dangerous, and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that makes, you know, it makes a, a, yeah. a, re, uh, a revision later, revisit later. Um, but after they have their secret meeting and then go, I think that's when we get to see Cato. Oh, yeah, because when, when Dr. Gaines is talking to his new, uh, the other slave owner who's going to get Dr. Gaines to look after his family and his slaves medically... He's like, oh, well, two of them are sick, and I'll send them to see you later. And and he says that in that point, so that after uh, Melinda and Glenn mm-hmm. have their secret meeting, it then goes to Dr. Gaines's, uh doctor's office and his little helper, Cato. Mm-hmm. And so Cato is a slave who is the one that's the very, yes, a massa, uh-huh, massa. And he's like the very kind of dumb yeah, and he's he is a Uncle Tom. Yes, uh, he is that, and 
he's there and then uh, Dr. Gaines is like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is going to be sending two of his boys uh, here and I've got to go out and run some errands. So when they come in, he basically he had the attitude of like, they're they're slaves and you're slaves, so you're you're they're you can take care of them. I'm yeah. not gonna worry myself with it. And tells them to, you know, take their pulse, bleed them, give them mm-hmm. a pill of pulverized cow manure or something like that, whatever mm-hmm. it was, because it's the 1800s. Um, medicine was more of a suggestion than anything else. We uh, hadn't invented medicine yet. <laughs> yeah, no, the medical treatment was still cut them yeah. open and bleed them. Yep, and Cato. Uh, while he's left to his own devices, he's like, I'm going to be fancy. And so he goes and he grabs one of Dr. Gaines's other medical jackets and puts it on. And mm-hmm. he's like dressing up in dad's clothes type of thing. Like, look yeah. at me, I'm important. And then the uh, the slaves that were being expected to show up, show up. And, and uh, there's a little bit of banter with them about, well, we want to see the doctor and he's like well i am the doctor don't you see my coat look at me i'm a doctor now mm-hmm. now open up your mouth and say ah and kind of thing and he he kind of gives them a little bit of his uh half <laughs> medical uh, his <laughs> his subpar medical treatment <laughs> uh but one of them has <laughs> one of them has a sore tooth that he needs pulled and uh Cato pulls the wrong tooth, which causes a scuffle, as would be expected. So if doctor pulled my wrong tooth, you can bet I'd probably be a little upset. Um, and that's when Dr. Gaines comes back in the middle of this scuffle, and he's like, oh, table's been turned over. What have you been doing? da 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 done. And uh, one of the guys is like, he pulled the wrong tooth. And he's like, it's, he wouldn't stop moving. Oh, he's mm-hmm. a liar. And Dr. Gaines basically tells Cato, oh, I'm just going to whip you good for what you've done. Oh, mm-hmm. and, he, and then he finishes tending to the other slaves and then sends them on their way and uh, proceeds to tell Cato about how he's going to beat him good. Um, After that, I can't remember the scene that it goes to. I think it might be back at Gaines's plantation. Yeah. And I think it's... Oh, it's the Reverend, right? Yes, who I did the Mitch McConnell voice Uh, for. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That cracks me up whenever they have that kind of character in the show just talking about because because he was not in favor of treating black people like god's Mm. children yeah you know he's preaching christianity and salvation and redemption Mm -hmm. totally completely oblivious to the mass violation of humanity that is going on all around them Mm -hmm. um but he's talking to Gaines's, to mrs Gaines about accepting or i guess i think she's already religious but yeah. he was just telling her just basically just doing preacherly stuff yeah because at the time if you were in rural kentucky which is where this takes place or other areas uh you would not have like a church that you would go to you would wait for a passing minister to come by and either do a revival or do church meetings or visit your house to pre- to preach to you and pray with you, give you Lord's that. Supper. Yeah, it's it's fun stuff there. So, so the the preacher is there talking to her, and uh, I can't remember... Oh, he's talking about how he had, like, a vision or a dream or whatever, and he was up in mm-hmm. heaven. And, and uh, is it... Who, what's it's the, Hannah, Hannah that asks. Hannah, one of the other slaves who's uh, missed... Gaines's handmaiden basically mm-hmm. makes this comment. She goes, "Oh well, did you see my father up there?" And the preacher's like, "I didn't go to the the black part of heaven." Yeah, kind of thing, all snidely. It's like, "Oh, even heaven is segregated." Cool. Like, God, that's not heaven. That's hell. <laughs> right. Oh God. Uh, okay. Anyway, I, I almost went into a profanity laden rant. Um, you're fine. So, and then she. I'm trying to remember how. Hannah, quote-unquote, embarrasses uh, Mrs. Gaines in front of the preacher if it's just other than just asking questions. I think it's just asking questions. And then she brings up that, oh, Hannah stole a goose for her and her husband the other day. Because it's like the Lord's Supper is this Sunday or whatever, and like Hannah stole a goose and cooked it up for her and her husband, Sammy, and and, uh, after we 
caught her and beat her and made her confess for it. Like, I don't think that she's good enough to go to the Lord's Supper, blah, 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 blah. But what do you think, preacher? And the preacher's like, well, if she was caught and punished and repented, then I think she's uh, able to go, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's under your discretion. It's under your discretion. Which... So, from a religious standpoint, a lot of different forms of Christianity, if you do not take the Lord's Supper regularly, you're not going to heaven. So, what is the Lord's Supper? That's where they do the consecrating the bread and the wine, and then... okay. Yeah, that's the Lord's Supper. Oh. So, if you don't have communion, you aren't going to heaven, is a belief in a lot of those circles. So, if you just miss one. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, God's got some strict rules. Or if you don't go regularly, and what? again with this, if you've got a traveling preacher, then... So what if you miss one, but repent? Does that wipe it away? Isn't, you know... Isn't repentance supposed to be like a catch-all? I got so angry when I learned that doing theology classes that I don't know That's if fair. that covers it but that's totally because right. that was just one of those things where i'm like well what if you can't go what if you're in the hospital yeah i mean exactly. granted now hospitals do communion i mean they have done communion for a long time but still i'm just like Ugh. yeah anyway yeah that's neither here nor there yeah it's over there um history of theater not history of religion <laughs> yes and then after uh the preacher leaves that's when mrs gaines is like oh follow go grab the cowhide hannah and come down to the cellar with me so i can beat you good mm-hmm. it's like the equivalent of making you know your kid go cut their own switch yeah. for whipping you know go grab the whipping tools and mm-hmm. follow me down to the whipping space um and then after that I'm trying to remember where it cuts to, because I can't remember if it goes back to the... Uh... It goes to the slave trader. Okay. So the slave... Tra- and he he doesn't show up at Gaines's, right? Or does he show up somewhere else? He shows up on the road to Gaines's. Okay, so they're on the road, because mm-hmm. he's not talking to Gaines initially, right? He's talking to some other slave owner. Correct. I think it's the one who... Uh, who uh, owns Glenn. Yes. Hamilton, that was his name. Yeah. So, uh, Hamilton runs into this slave trainer uh, on the road, and he's like, hey, the price of slaves is up. Do you have any slaves you want to sell me? I'll pay top dollar, and I won't mm-hmm. I won't argue with you, kind of thing. And he's like, eh, I don't really need to get rid of any, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Gaines encounters him on the road as well, and the Slave owner does his same thing. Hey, you want to sell some slaves? Come on, some of your slaves. Mm-hmm. Got any extra slaves? Do you got one of those outdated slaves? The new slaves are coming out. You got to replace your old slaves with new oh, slaves. Oh, God. Can I offer you in the slave exchangement program? Like, Oh, that's kind of how it was written. <laughs> You're right. Oh. It, it kind of was. Uh, yeah, the iSlave 10 is coming out. Do you want to trade in your iSlave 9? Oh, Jesus. But, yeah, and... Uh, we find out, this is where we start to find out that Mr. Gaines uh, likes the uh, likes the dark women. And uh, and it's either the preacher or Mr. Ham, or no, it's Mr. Haskins that they find out uh, the girl that was sitting on his lap is his daughter, who yeah. also is his mistress. Yeah, because and he had to sell her because... Mistress in quotes, that's yeah. what he's calling her. Yeah. She is it, a slave yeah, who she's he a slave. is raping. Yes. Um, and she, you know, like, oh, she looks just like him and she's got, uh, she's white passing was pretty much the way they described her and she has blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he had to sell her because his wife was getting jealous of him. Mm-hmm. diddling the slaves you know mm-hmm. and uh and then he talks about like, oh i don't want to get rid of any other ones and then i think they mention miranda melinda oh, no, melinda uh, but yeah, i think his wife shows up yeah that's right his uh-huh. wife shows up on the road too as he's talking to the slave trader and she's like oh i want you to get rid of melinda so that i can yeah get rid of melinda because i don't like her because she's i see the way that you look at her and blah blah mm-hmm. blah 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 so get rid of Melinda, and he wants her to get rid of Sammy and uh, Hannah. And not not Hannah it was because well, Hannah... at first it was Sam and Hannah. He was like, sell them together because they're married. Oh, gotcha. And then she's like, no, I need Hannah oh, right. by my side. I've, I've all spent the time. I've spent all this work, you know, training Hannah up, and now mm-hmm. you're gonna pull her out from under me. You mm-hmm. don't care about me. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. And he was like, go and sell Sam so that I can marry Hannah off mm-hmm. to uh, Keith. Uh, 
Kato. Mm-hmm. And then Big Sally. And you can take Big Sally. And so, fine, okay, fine. I'll, you know, and so he agrees to sell uh, Sally and uh, Sam. And then we have the the slave trader going over and talking to them and asking, oh, how old are you? Oh, I don't know. Because they're not, you know, they've been purposely kept ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's... Yeah, can you imagine that? Not even knowing your age? Yeah. Not knowing when you were born? Not yeah. knowing who your parents were? That is so messed up. It's It makes it intentional. And that was, I remember that was a thing that I learned um, in school, how they talked about that it was considered illegal to educate slaves mm -hmm. and part of that was because they didn't want them knowing they didn't want them being in, being educated because then they go wait why am i a slave like mm -hmm. why do you get to own me yeah you keep them ignorant and then it makes it easier to control them mm -hmm. and it's it's completely just void of any mm -hmm. redeeming okay okay uh, no ranting no ranting no profanity keep it in check warren um so after the slave trader is like he puts handcuffs on him and basically is like, oh, I'll pay, you know, pays the guy in cash. He's like, and if you two don't cry, when we get to the next town, I'll buy you both a big ginger cake. Yeah. yeah don't, don't be upset about being treated like commodities kind of thing. And, and um, after <sighs> that scene, I think that's when it goes back to Cato at the doctor's office again. Yes. And we get to see Cato being Cato. And he is putting the, the moves on uh, another slave that he's sweet on. and mm -hmm. kind of Tapioca. Thing, tapioca. And he's putting the moves on her, talk about how he's, he's a doctor by birth. And the master, he had to learn to be a doctor from books and stuff. But Cato, he's a real doctor because he's got it in him kind of yeah. thing. And, and, the, and Gaines came back to the office, heard talking, and then like was being stealthy to eavesdrop on what was going on and he hears Cato talking trash on him mm -hmm. and then he bursts onto the scene and and well well first what happens is Cato hears a rustle and thinks that there's a, an intruder and so he mm -hmm. like throws a chair yeah. and hits the his master and then that then it has like a uh a chase around the table. I'm gonna whip you. I'm gonna. I'm sorry, mess. I didn't know it was you. I'm sorry. And that ends one of the acts. And mm -hmm. I told Kay as she was reading that that just I had Benny Hill music in my head playing around that part. Just da 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 And then the next scene opens up. Help me. Where does that pick up after? Let me take a look because I have the book on me. You do have the book. I just read the whole thing. You did. Let's see. Oh, it starts with uh, Mrs. Gaines doing the whole. You're going to jump the broom with Cato. Oh, that's and, right. It's after. Oh. It's after the slave trader takes uh, Hannah's husband, mm -hmm. Sammy. And now she's like, you're going to get over, you know, you were only married for eight months. You know, you're, you, it's not, you couldn't possibly I, actually love him. You don't know what love is. You're just a dumb slave. I want to beat Mrs. Gaines. Oh yeah. I want to beat her. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, so she's trying to get Hannah to cooperate and get married to uh, Cato and mm -hmm. jump the broom. And she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want my Sammy. I want my Sammy. And so she... Excuse me. She proceeds to then take Hannah down to the whipping cellar and whip her, and mm -hmm. that's when you get the other slaves who were like, "Cato, tell her that you don't, tell Mrs. Gaines that you don't want Hannah, so she'll stop whipping her." He's like, mm -hmm. "No, I ain't going to do that. I do want Hannah, and I ain't yeah. gonna. And if I tell her I don't want it, then she's gonna whip me, and I ain't gonna get whipped for nobody, mm -hmm. kind of thing." And and after that part, I'm trying to remember where it jumps because it because the scene focuses mainly on that back and forth of yeah of Hannah's gonna marry Cato but Hannah doesn't want to but Cato's okay with it and, and during that you find out that allegedly Melinda was sold but the the slaves are like no I think that Doctor Gaines sent her away to be somewhere in private where he can keep trying to he he, he took her to push up on her. yeah he 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 um he didn't sell her he only said he did in order to make uh his wife get off his case mm -hmm. but what it sounded like he put her to was a rape cottage yes it that is like exactly what it he, was he put her in a isolated area that he knew where to get to so that he could go and visit her mm -hmm. uh and he does he goes to go because that's right after they talk about her it then mm -hmm. cuts to melinda at her uh 
At her shed. prison. Yeah, in her <laughs> prison. And Gaines shows up to be like, hey, I'm home. And she's like, and she's upset because I, I don't know how she, fu- oh, no, no, he, she, uh, he tries to force himself on her. Yeah. And she tells him no. And he's like, well, why? And she tells him that she's married and she has a husband that she loves and yeah. she only wants to be with him. And he finds out that it's Glenn. What? Glenn? Mm. Oh, I'm going to skin him alive. Like, I can't remember what he particularly says he's going to do to him, but he says he's going to kill him. Yeah. And, and yeah. And then he has this this attitude of like, I'm going to kill him and that'll make you treat me proper. Yeah. Kind of thing. You better be nicer to me when I come back next time after yeah. I kill your husband. Yeah, uh, and she then is like, I can't stay here, you know, knowing that Glenn is going to be hurt because of me. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if she flees or if somebody shows up and helps her. Um. So Cato was there, and then Mrs. Gaines shows up. That's, oh, that's right. Mrs. And... Gaines shows up to kill her. Yeah. And she's like, basically is like, here is a bottle of poison. You drink this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want to drink the poison. Then she pulls out a knife. She's like, either you drink the poison or I stab you with this knife. Mm-hmm. And, and Melinda grabs a third option, which is a broom and beats her back. There's always a escapes. third option. There's always a third option. And uh, yeah, so Melinda fights off Mrs. Gaines and escapes. And I think that part is when it... It go or does it go? It goes with Glenn because Glenn has been captured and is he's, waiting to be punished. He's chained up, and I remember that's when yeah he's chained up and Gaines is like, oh, it's a good thing Hamilton was willing to sell me Glenn so that I can torture mm-hmm. him to death. Yeah, and he tells one of his slave, his one of his uh, taskmasters to yeah, go his overseers to go whip up. Uh, Glenn 500 times and then check his pulse and if he can handle more whip him another one or 200 mm-hmm. and that guy that overseer when he's like I've oh ever ever since I saw that uppity n-word dressing all fancy mm-hmm. I wanted to whip him kind of thing I would rather whip him than go yeah. to heaven and I'm like wow this guy's got his priorities mm-hmm. um which makes you really happy when the next thing happens. <laughs> and I might have missed a tiny bit of it, because I know he, he goes to go whip him like Gaines told him to do. But then as he was like getting ready to do stuff, uh, Gaines is able to get... Glenn's able to get free. And mm-hmm. he like grabs a nearby stick, hits that guy over the head with it, and then mm-hmm. he runs off. Yeah, basically bashes his brains in. Well, well he, doesn't, away. Not, th- he doesn't do that because he doesn't kill no. the guy. He just so smacked. the guy is certain he's gonna die. He's, oh, I, I, yeah, dead. He killed me. Like he's, I'm gonna die. I, I died. And uh, but yeah, he's got a head injury, and he went to go report to, mm-hmm. to Gaines that uh, Glenn ran off after striking him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when Gaines is like, oh, well, we're gonna go hunt him down. Like get all mm-hmm. the boys, get the dogs, and mm-hmm. let's go get him. And. And then I think it goes, doesn't it go to the city? Because that's where we get to meet the guy from. Yeah, it goes to the bar. The bar in in uh, some city, you know, away from the other plantations. I don't know what it is, where it is. But we get to meet this gentleman who is from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And it's a free state. And he is over here and people talk about slaves. And he gets, he puts in his two cents about how slavery is wrong. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see at least one nice white guy. Yeah. As a white guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I appreciate that little bit of representation mm-hmm. in this uh, story. <laughs> the one white guy who's like, well, um, and the Quakers later. Okay. That's fair. The white guy who's like, um, slavery's bad. And I like that he poses the question to them. We want to say that this is a free country, but then you have slaves. Well, it's mm-hmm. only free for whites. Yeah. Uh, then it's like, ah, you're... <laughs> and then they basically tell him, you stop talking about how slavery's bad or we're going to kill you. And he's mm. like, okay. Like, so he basically zips it. And he leaves the room. He leaves. And then uh, that's when somebody comes in. I don't remember if it's Gaines or not. It is. Comes it's in. Gaines. He's like, ah, oh, slaves are missing. I'll pay $500 to whoever can catch them. And that's when everybody is like, well, it must have been the guy who thinks slavery's bad. I bet yeah. he stole them. Yeah. And so they're like, well, let's go get him. And this is kind of where the whole thing, it's it, it culminates. And then it ends kind of abruptly because, uh, oh, I, I forgot. I, I left out the part where there is kind of a sweet scene that is uh, Melinda and Glenn on the road trying to get to the the Mason Dixon line. Mason Dixon line, 
and they're they have you know some songs and stuff in that part but they're talking but they're just i don't know that was a sweet scene just these yeah. two these two lovers fleeing um for freedom kind of thing mm -hmm. and just i did kind of like that scene mm -hmm. so that part happens before we get to uh the the man from mississippi um from uh, massachusetts massachusetts i said mississippi my bad from massachusetts and after everybody's like oh it must be that guy from massachusetts who who done dundare dan took your slaves and uh they go to go after him and you might have to help me with this part because this is where like the fight happens right no this is where cato goes behind the bar and helps himself to a drink and then kind of sees that the barkeeper's helping the uh, white guy from Massachusetts escape. And then we don't see Cato for a little bit. And then um, we have one more scene, I believe, with Melinda and Glenn. And then we find out that Cato got himself freed because he just basically stole his master's clothes, put on, put them on, hopped out the window. That. And made his way and found his way to the Quaker's house. That's and right. And the Quakers have this really great scene where they're helping out Glenn and Melinda and getting them ready to make the last uh, couple of miles up to Canada. And then after that scene, they and they have their one neighbor who comes over who's like, I'm here to protect them so that if anyone comes in, I'm going to fight yeah. to make sure that these people get up to freedom. And, uh, cause they, and they make a very big point of stating that this is happening because of the slave, the Fugitive Slave Act, that yeah. that's the reason that they have to move to Canada. To they, Canada. Have, they have to leave the U.S. entirely. They yeah. can't just get to a free state. They yeah, have they to have leave. to get to Canada. And... They're, and the guy that's offering help is like, well, since you guys are, you know, nonviolent, I'll do the violence for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's Warren. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Kay. <laughs> um, but after that, then they go to Niagara, and that's where you have Mr. White trying to sketch Niagara Falls while all these peddlers are walking by trying to sell him stuff and he, uh, like i have 13 kids my wife is oh that sick. guy was so funny he's like yeah he's like buy my stuff my wife is sick and my children at home and they're all sick and mm, i have 13 kids i have nine kids i have <laughs> and uh then that's where the fight happens because cato comes up first and is waiting and then glenn and melinda come in and then dr Gaines pursues with his with, horde of people. with his horde and with the u.s marshal and uh, that's where they are able to fight, overpower Dr. Gaines, and jump into the ferry that had just pulled up to get across over Canada. to Canada. And then basically, and that's and the as the ferry's leaving, like they jump on, because the, they say that it's drifting away. Mm -hmm. And that's when they're basically waving yeah, to the... Yeah, Cato and uh, Glenn are pulling off their hats and waving the hats off like, see ya! <laughs> like, see ya! And then that's when the curtain falls and... And uh, they they made it. They made it to freedom. Yep. And technically, this one could be considered a musical. It's it's true because it did have another of songs to it. Yeah, the songs were based off of folk songs that I don't know, but then with lyrics written by William Wells Brown instead of the original lyrics. So it's sort of a proto musical. Yeah. It's a baby musical. It's a baby. It's a baby. It's a baby. So yeah, that was. That was an escape or a leap for freedom. The last one that we that you did, um, the French one, I already forgot. Oh, the Black Doctor. Mm -hmm. um, that one was good, even mm -hmm. if it had some stuff in it that I, I didn't necessarily like. Mm -hmm. I like this one more, mm -hmm. even though it had gratuitous use of racial slurs. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that. And it, a lot of rape. I mean... They talk about it, but yeah, at least they don't, don't show it. At least thankfully. we don't see any. But it, it, it had a happier story. I, mm -hmm. I liked that that they got away and they got to live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Me too. So, Me too. So I like that. Yay! But I'm glad. Uh, this still makes me very angry. Yeah, I know. 
Well, we've got a few more shows and periods of time before we can get to the period of time where it's less angry. It's still angry, but it's less angry. Um, uh, the benefit is that we are out of uh, the slavery era now, what we're okay. going into. Okay. Um, because... So now we're just into the Jim Crow laws. Yes, era. yes. Now we're going into Jim Crow laws and stuff like that. Um, we're we're going to be kind of doing a little bit, and I'm not sure how many episodes this is going to take, on the early black musicals. The only reason that I say I don't know how many episodes is because other than in Dahomey, I cannot find anything and and with Indahomey it's literally I just have the script out of Black Theater USA that I could read but it's long yeah <laughs> it's it's longer and it is a musical and I was able to find a music book online but it's $135 and I'm not buying that <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that kind of money uh, you're so, fair. We, we we spend a lot of money on our podcast getting materials anyway yeah so <clears throat> I don't know maybe Maybe if there's, like, a sudden uptick in patrons, then I could feel like I could buy that for next year and be like, hey, look, we're gonna sing the songs of Indahomey. Um, but probably not. It's $135. Um, but we'll, we'll be talking about a lot of the early black musicals and then a couple more plays before we get us to where... I have the first examples of shows that I can show you, which are in the 30s. And that is my goal, is to get there before the end of the month. Otherwise, we'll just do it in March. Sounds good. Because black history is everyone's history, and yeah. Black history is American history. It's true. Darn it. Almost said different word, but we've reached our swear quota for this episode. Our swota. Our swota. So... Yeah, next week we'll cover Indahomey, Clarindy, um, a couple of other musicals. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yay for interesting. Yeah, because I don't know how I'm gonna cover them really. <laughs> uh. I guess not next week. It'll be next episode. So people at home will think that I have figured this all out by the time <laughs> that it's posted. <laughs> The illusion the, of editing. Through the magic of editing. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Um, we're glad that you're coming back every week to listen uh, and that you're enjoying our show. Uh, if you liked this episode, please review it on Podchaser since you can review individual episodes on that website. Um, please uh, feel free to... Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of its Tone Deaf Musical. You can go to our website, which is ToneDeafMusical.com, which has links to all of those social media platforms, as well as a link to the Podcast Junkie Discord server, where we have a Tone Deaf channel. Yep, and that channel is not safe for work, because we swear in that channel. My bad. <laughs> um, we also, again, want to just encourage that you... Uh, listen to the shows that we recommend through uh, out this month and past this month and before this month. Listen to the shows that we like. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just be highlighting a new, ep a new black show every uh, episode for, uh, for this month and probably longer because I just, I love all of, all of these shows that I'm recommending. I, I listen to them a lot, and I love them, and they're some of my favorite shows, so, you know, it's just, you should listen. I have listened to some listen of them, too, and they are really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, do you have anything you would like to add, Warren? Those of you listening have no idea how much work Kay is putting into this, because some of it is material that we are... that. We can't share yet unless we can get okayed from people who hold the copyrights. So I have been recording when I read these plays. Kay is awesome and amazing. And, <laughs> Thank you, uh, babe. I, I appreciate all the hard work that you put into it. Thank you. I love you. love you. So that will be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf.